Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Welcome to the Raw Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dadly Boys, Michael Sidgwick from What Culture, to review everything that happened on last night's episode of Monday Night Raw. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review Monday Night Raw, but also SmackDown, NXT, AW Dynamite, AW Rampage, pay-per-views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week, complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Michael Cedric, Michael Hamlet, still enjoying a well-earned week off, fortnight off now. Uh, but we're here to discuss Monday Night Raw, Sidge. And honestly, sometimes I think, why do we bother? We put all that effort in on Friday. It was a bank holiday Monday yesterday, in case you were wondering where we were. And uh, we thought, we'll still do a Raw preview on a Friday, because normally you can just make a load of bollocks up. They haven't announced anything, and you can just have a bit of a laugh with it. But for once... You were saying to me, no, they've, they've got like three matches confirmed. There's a load of stuff we can speculate on. And then presumably Vince McMahon showed up last night and went, no, we're not doing any of that. I mean, it is ridiculous. I don't know what's worse, not announcing any matches like they often do for a three-hour show where they have a week to prepare every single week or announcing three matches and then not doing any of them. Horrendous. Here's what I think has happened and what an indictment it is on the state of the product, the long-term direction, how stale everything feels. I think what they've done, and this is such a measure of how piss-poor this show is, they've announced in a rare display of actual promotion three matches. And I think in the window between announcing the matches and then delivering those matches, Vince has went, oh, that sounds boring. That sounds really boring, and I don't want to do this show. It's, uh, but they've, I'm presuming that's the case. There's clearly been something that has compelled Vince to go, nah, 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 I'm ripping this to shreds. And I think that something is literally the reality of what this show is like if they think about it for more than three days. Ah, <laughs> oh, this is actually really boring. Or maybe that nah, Miz wasn't on the show. So you That's, don't that, I'll give him a pass for that. Like, we don't know why Miz wasn't there, but he clearly wasn't on the show. Bobby Lashley and Sheamus were there, and and they went, I suppose, as I said on the news this morning, they went, 
Well, if we pull Bobby Lashley versus Sheamus, those fans are still going to be jonesing for a heel versus heel champion match. So we'll give them that in Nia Jax versus Charlotte Flair. Oh, and don't you worry, we'll get to that in due course. But it was just preposterous. I mean, they came really close to pulling off Eva Marie versus Doudrap, but that match never started. It did not start, and I didn't think it was going to be a match. If you recall on the preview, I said this match isn't happening, so I didn't mm. think it would. Here's the thing. You asked the question. At the start, I don't know what's worse, just not having anything or cancelling that which you've promoted. I think cancelling that which they've promoted is the worst idea. Yeah. It's not just WWE this affects. It's been a monopoly for so long. It's been synonymous with professional wrestling for so long that there was actual doubt, despite the fact that AEW had all but confirmed CM Punk was going to be at the first dance. <laughs> yeah. There were people, because the shadow of this horrendous company looms so largely over uh, over the rest of the wrestling world. It's like, again, it's the trauma of, oh, I don't think CM Punk's going to be there because you've got a company which is synonymous with professional wrestling, despite the fact that they don't even claim to be professional wrestling, that pulls stuff like this and has pulled stuff like this for the last however many years that it impacts how people perceive mm. the rest of professional wrestling. It's not on. It's bloody ruining AEW. Who cares about Raw? It was another terrible show. But people thought, I've just been burned so many times by the constant, ceaseless false advertising and the total lack of trust that the market leader has built within its audience that they are indirectly impacting AEW's growth. I have an article I'm in the process of writing which elaborates further on this, which you can uh, check out at whatculture.com slash WWE in the coming hours. This company can't do things like this. It's just ridiculous. No, I mean, I've said time and time again, you and I have moaned about the fact of Dynamite's a newer show. And, you know, to be honest, I think we'll say some matches this week's Dynamite we're excited about, some matches less so, but at least they've announced some matches. We say that all the time, and WWE has a week, has a team dedicated to preparing for the next week's show, and things change, and card subjects change, and stuff. but this was ridiculous. But like you say, to take an example from just last week, now, they didn't explicitly say Brock Lesnar's going to be at SmackDown, but they did say fallout from SummerSlam with prominent imagery of Brock Lesnar, and then he wasn't there. And then, like... We said this last week. Goldberg, he watched his son get murdered. He's injured. He didn't even make a video appearance last week. I know he did this week and threatened to take Lashley's soul or some bollocks. But it's just, it's the bait and switch. It's the lying to the fans constantly, like you say, that is just yes. it's unbearable. And promotion matters, even the most subtle, insidious ways that over time can create just a sense of meaninglessness. The best thing on this show, one might even say the only redeemable part of this show, the fact that they hadn't advertised Drew McIntyre in a match in which he was going to do a clean job just tells you so much that you need to know. Like, that should be a massive deal. I know mm. it was sold as a big deal, but if you can't even advertise Drew McIntyre in a match knowing that you are going to job out someone who was a massive, massive deal like last year... How much can a title reign mean? How much can a long title reign mean if you're just going to not promote the fact that your champion's going to lose? I had big issues with that. Or, like, your tag team champions taking on your world champion. And I know it all came about because we'll get to the promo train in a second and it's all it's official. And I suppose in WWE's warped view of the world, they like doing this sort of thing, whether it be 
just as the show starts or an hour before the show starts, oh, we've got this huge match, let's push it on Twitter and let's get some views. And I have no doubt this show will probably do bloody 2 million viewers again or whatever it did last week because it's mind-blowing sometimes what happens in this wrestling industry. Yes, WWE's continued ability to not die blows my mind. (laughs) Well, let's get into uh, this review, though. Uh, It started with Damian Priest. One of the few shining lights on Monday Night Raw and one of the very few exceptions to that NXT to main roster rule. He comes out, gets a great reaction, talks about winning the US Championship, gets a You Deserve It chant, and he said he wanted to respect the US title the way previous champions had done. Mentioned Rey Mysterio, mentioned Jeff Hardy, mentioned John Cena. Uh, Said he didn't want to be like Bobby Lashley who ran away from a challenge last week. So he issued an open challenge. I rubbed my hands together and I thought, is this going to be Adam Cole on the main roster? Is it going to be someone... I wouldn't rub my hands at that. Well, yeah, you know. Yeah, especially on Monday Night Raw. But is this going to be a big surprise? No, it's just Seamus again. (laughs) It was just Seamus coming in. Uh, He came out, he said he wants to knock the smile off Priest's face, take his title back, and choo-choo, the promo train continued with Drew McIntyre interrupting, um, saying what we're all thinking. He'd love to see Priest beat up Sheamus for the 500th time. Uh, Probably time for something new, though. He said, I've won all these other championships. This is the one title that has eluded me. I want for a US title challenge. He challenges Priest to a match. Sheamus isn't happy. Then the world champion comes out, uh, Bobby Lashley flanked by MVP. Uh, they're booed, they get Goldberg chance. MVP says, we dealt with Goldberg, we dealt with him. Uh, there's no reason for him to issue an open challenge for his belt because he's already beaten everybody. So he said, why don't we beat Priest uh, and uh, have Lashley become a double champion? Out come the tag team champions, uh, Randy Orton and Riddle. Uh, again, They are beloved by the WWE Universe right now, to use WWE's terminology. Uh, Orton just said, uh, MVP sucks. Lashley's a greedy son of a bitch. Uh, And Riddle wondered, how he'd even hold two belts until he realized, oh, we've got two belts. Uh, Just stupid bit of comedy stuff from there. Uh, um, Lashley said, I do fancy two belts, whether or not it's the US title. I'll have the tag titles. You know what, instead... Uh, and Riddle challenges Lashley and MVP to an open challenge. That was quite funny. I'll give you that because Orton says that's not really how open challenges work. MVP accepts an outcome. Postman Pierce and Sonya Deville to make it all official. Triple threat match for the US title. And in the main event, the tag team titles on the line. Oh, oh where do I start with this? A ridiculous promo train. Nothing was announced for the card except it was... So that just makes the plot hole all the worse. It's just so funny how Drew McIntyre was like, everyone's sick of this boring crap. I'll just do some of the boring crap, though, but just <laughs> put McIntyre in there as well. This feels like a show where they know Goldberg is going to do the Saudi show. Mm-hmm. But the unfortunate reality for them is, oh, we've got a not as profitable or lucrative domestic pay-per-view to do first. And they are screaming from the rooftops, we don't have a match for Extreme Rules or a major raw selling point for that show. So let's just filibuster with promo trains. Absolutely ridiculous. This is the sort of show that people would say, let's say six months ago, wait till crowds come back, then it's going to get good. Yeah. I mean, ridiculous. But they literally said to your face, Damien Priest versus Sheamus is old. It's boring. We need something new. 
And then they gave you a derivation of Seamus versus Damien Priest. They put a Drew McIntyre hat on it, basically. Oh, yeah, I mean, Christ almighty. What the only thing they could have made this worse is if Bobby Lashley had tagged with Seamus again. As if they were like, yeah, never mind, uh, never mind all that bollocks last week. Rather than the plot holes, which I continue to complain about, rather than the fact that they told you something was boring and gave you a version of it, my least favourite part of this bloody, real, like, unending segment the stupid dickhead fake commentators. Who's out now? And then when like whoever came out, who came out? Orton and Riddle, yeah. Riddle, and they followed Goldberg. Who else is gonna come out? <laughs> then Rhea Ripley came out for match. Whatever next? <laughs> Wanna stop pretending that you I care? I love that. Joe Rogan like, oh my god, another fight. Oh, Dana, you're spoiling us. That's. No, that's what was planned to, to happen. Yeah, we so. have to allocate the, um, the match times with off. Just move on. Yeah, because it's time for some more talking because uh, Rhea Ripley gets on the mic before her match with Shayna Baszler. Rhea Ripley versus Shayna Baszler again, just to remind her that that was the one thing that beat AEW yes. back in the day. But here it is just tossed out there. Yeah. Yeah. Who cares about these anymore? Yeah, uh, yeah uh, Rhea Ripley goes... Well, she's come to be ringside as for me, Nikki A.S.H. And that was the sort of reaction that this got. Um, Anaya gets on the mic. I don't know what's going on with her. We'll get to more of that yeah. later on. Uh, she said, I'll, 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 I'll batter both of you, and then I'll beat Charlotte Flair later. So definitely a heel. Definitely a heel. Just to clarify, definitely a heel. <sighs> Everyone's unlikable. Uh, so we get Rhea Ripley versus Shayna Baszler. Baszler's in control for the most part, grounding Rhea Ripley, but she fights back at Ripley. She hits a drop kick. Northern Lights suplex gets a two count. Baszler puts her in an arm bar, but Ripley fights and fights, and with Nikki cheering her on, she gets to the ropes to get a rope break. Um, Baszler puts her in the Kirafuda clutch for a second. Ripley counters it. Jax at this point goes, well, that's my cue. Murders Nikki at ringside. Uh, gives her a Samoan drop outside the ring. This distracts Rhea Ripley. So Shayna Baszler rolls her up and you think, oh, here we go. Except Rhea Ripley reverses it and gets the, the roll-up pinfall victory on Shayna Baszler before she even has a second to celebrate it, though. In comes Nia Jax, lays her out, hits her with a Samoan drop and uh, gets booed. And this is a sign of things to come. No thoughts on the match. Didn't end decisively. It was very much... You could tell that it was going to be chicanery because of the mere presence of who was at ringside. You could tell by the structure of the match, like Shayna Baszler took all of it, and it wasn't particularly gripping or compelling. And sheer as hell, Rhea Ripley, in effect, steals one. <laughs> if it's a 90-10 match, the person who gets the 10 is going to steal one. That is, in fact, what happened. Nia Jax cleaned Rhea Ripley's clock, like... Oh, yeah, she, like... You, when the when I say she runs her over immediately after she, you know... She, she literally gets stuff, a car it or is, a truck. It was... If I was Charlotte Flair in the back, that is a sign of things to come a little bit later on. I mean, if you're... It looks like the old Nia Jax! <laughs> <laughs> if you're Charlotte Flair, you're watching that and you're just thinking, I'm not getting paid enough for this. I'm not getting paid enough for this. Nia Jax, and bear in mind, right, she has been an active part of this roster in the days where they used to tour quite a lot. She should, at the bare minimum, not be a dangerous oaf. Hey, this given how many ring times, ring, how much ring time she's had, how many matches she's had, given the fact that she only really works in the one dimension, she's not a particularly um, diverse, eclectic performer. She's got a match that she has to wrestle on account of her size. She realistically 
should not be a dangerous oaf at this point. No. And she is a dangerous oaf. Hey, this is a company that loves nostalgia. Rolling back the years, taking us back to when she was taking out Kyrie Sane and people like that. Sweet Jesus. I mean, something inevitably is going to go seriously wrong. It's rather miraculous this hasn't happened yet. And that would be a nice segue to what happens later. But there's more bollocks to get through first, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I hope to be a, a fly on the wall in that girl as they came back through after that match. We'll talk about it in a sec. Uh, before that, though, the raid is on. We get a quick promo from the Viking Raiders to remind people what they have to chant when the Viking Raiders come out. Then the Viking Raiders come out. Uh, they're facing Jinder Mahal and Via. Uh, I've not really got a lot of notes on this, if I'm perfectly no, no, honest. No, no, Ivar, no, yeah. here, I love Ivar and, and, and Eric. They, he hits a mad sent on off the apron to take out Via and Shanky. Mahal tries to attack Eric from behind. They hit him with the Viking experience. One, two, three. They're re-established. They've got momentum in the tag team division. Yeah, it was as if this scanned to me as like a re-debut or a jump from NXT. Right, let's get these two guys that you liked. Let's tell you the one thing that you ought to interact with, the chant. Here's a showcase of what they can do. The problem is I've seen what they can do for the past however many years. <laughs> and I've seen them lose time and time again. It's just felt condescending. Yeah. Well, then we got something really, really good, to be fair. It was the triple threat match for the United States Championship. Damian Priest defending against Sheamus and Drew McIntyre. And in a start of the match, big babyface move. The two babyfaces teamed up to take out Sheamus. They send him over the barricade. They send him into the timekeeper's area. He's out of the match, except for when we come back from the break. He's completely in control. <laughs> Takes out Priest, flying clothesline, sends McIntyre into the ring post. Um, McIntyre hits that amazing flip dive to wipe up both, wipe out both opponents. That's the move I think more than any that I concentrate on a wrestler's penis because that's the one. You remember when he did it? I can't remember. Maybe it was like Goldberg or something, and he just boink, just just tip of his dick, just flip the top rope. So I'm always looking out for that. Clears it this time. White flags everywhere. There you go, like in the Olympics. Yep, all good. You're clear there, Drew. Uh, anyway, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah, Mishinoku driver on Damian Priest gets a near fall. Uh, then there's that great spot where... McIntyre is like in a tree of woe and then Sheamus goes to superplex Priest but then McIntyre last second sit, sits up and everyone gets suplexed off. Looked great. All three men just working really well together on that one. Um, Sheamus obviously got a history with McIntyre. They go back and forth. It's an Alabama slam. Gets a two count. Uh, gets a cloverleaf on him but Priest just runs in and kicks him in the head. Uh, hits a choke slam. McIntyre breaks up the fall. Uh, Priest Goes for the reckoning on McIntyre, but Sheamus bro kicks him and he falls out of the ring so Sheamus can't cover him. So McIntyre fights back and gives Sheamus a future shock DDT. Sets up for the Claymore kick, but runs straight into that knee strike of Sheamus's for a great near fall. Hits a white noise off the middle rope and a combination of McIntyre kicking out and Priest diving in at last second breaks it all up. McIntyre, Claymore, Sheamus out of the ring, and then there's a really smooth, great exchange from McIntyre and Priest that leads to Damian Priest hitting him with the reckoning for the one, two, three. He retains the US Championship, and there's a nice show of respect between Drew McIntyre and Damian Priest post-match. Damian Priest is on a roll, isn't he, on Monday Night Raw? Not just in terms of results, but just looking great in matches, winning titles, obviously, but that crowd support, you can't buy either. No, it all feels like it's clicking for him, which if you look at the absolute state of this television program, <laughs> yeah. the fact that he's able to transcend, like, hooking tomatoes at people, doing zombie stuff, that almost felt like a trial by fire. Like, if you can get <laughs> over, in spite of this bollocks, 
Is he over? Oh, Christ, he's actually still over. Right, let's strap the rocket to him. The def- uh, the I think the final, the final labour of this is dressing up as Mordecai. Yeah. You don't freeze. <laughs> well, okay, you know why then? The fact that he's able to transcend all of that bollocks he's been subjected to and still remain over. And this match did him, like, no harm whatsoever. It was really, really well done. I still have issues with the fact that you're doing an impromptu match and you're beating a star of mm. McIntyre's calibre. It just... I had... Maybe I'm being too pedantic about what it is. It's a content factory. It's not a pro wrestling show. But if you're going to defeat someone who stood as your champion for that long, make it mean something. Like, allow it to register as a breakthrough moment in Priest's career, like it was sold as, by booking it in advance. Like, the fact that if they've told me, right, we've thought about this, so let's get Priest over via pinning Drew McIntyre clean in the middle, it just would have felt like a more momentous thing. The crowd received it as a momentous thing. I do believe that it's going to be the first um, indication that Drew's going to turn heel. Yeah. He should. He's done everything he can as a baby face. He should turn heel. Is it wrong of me? I love Drew. Don't get me wrong. But is it wrong of me to think, oh, I wish he'd just go away for a bit. I'm not going to wishing an injury on him or anything like that. But like you say, the heel turn's coming. But then, like, he's not going to be at the top of the card immediately as a heel. Certainly not on SmackDown. They've got, that position is filled yes. without question. And then on Raw, it's like, well, you've been in around the world title picture for quite some time. Is it wrong of me to think he should go and have, like, you know, if, if, if WWE ran their company correctly, and we talked about this today in the, the news, one of the questions was about, like, cycling in and out talent. Like, he'd be someone a bit like Asuka. Go away, so I want you to come back sort of thing. Literally every single wrestling promotion that has a television outlet across 52, year, uh, 52 weeks in the year with no off-season should have a rotating cast. We see it with AEW, and it works, mm. astonishingly enough. WWE Raw, being as horrendous as it is, does the literal exact opposite approach. Not only do the same people wrestle virtually every week, apart from these like sort of inexplicable absences, they often wrestle twice per night. So, yes, it's not just Drew McIntyre that that complaint no. extends to. It's literally everyone. Um, but, yeah, match itself, really snug, really dramatic. It went long, and the fact that it was able to maintain the attention of a modern WWE crowd, considering what they've been trained mm. to enjoy, is a measure of how good it was. Uh, just one spot I really want to put over. You mentioned it, that tree of woe into the oh. suplex. What they've done is that they've found a way to sneak in a really good Tower of Doom spot, which is almost impossible because that spot sucks generally. <laughs> I'm always incredibly inordinately impressed when I see a Tower of Doom spot because usually they're so contrived, they're so hokey. I can't... I, don't, I hate usually talking about the mythical casual fan who flips over to Raw and say, oh, flip! Ah, excitement! Oh, I don't like that! <laughs> they're killing the business! But they do... There must be a fan who likes it. And I'm not saying wrestling used to be more realistic. I'm just saying they tend not to try and preserve it as much in certain aspects these days. They see loads of waiting around, waiting for a dive that flattens eight people despite the fact one person's doing it. Like, even we as wrestling fans go, come on, lads, Mm. stop doing that. If you can do a good Tower of Doom spot that folds in an actual defensive move into a counter and makes it feel organic and what the wrestler would do in that situation, hats off. Loads of detail went into that spot. And I really liked this match. Yeah. It was the literally only good thing on the show. One of... I mean, my brain deletes Monday Night Raw as soon as we finish recording this podcast. One of the best Raw matches this year, without question. 
Yes, absolutely. Um, Drew, Sheamus, Riddle, they've all... Xavier Woods, let's not forget, you had a great mm, match with yeah. Riddle. There's been some very good in-ring action on Raw, but again, it's the base level of what a TV wrestling show should be capable of when you have a roster like this at your disposal. Yeah, so yeah. basically what I'm saying is, of course there's good wrestling, look at the roster. Yeah, I was just thinking, saying great matches, and then I looked either side of this sandwich... Oh, yeah. What's on the other side of the sandwich? Oh, we've got... uh, We'll get to it because first, we've got to talk about Goldberg limping around a car park. Uh, He revealed he's got ligament damage. He needs surgery. He called Lashley a dirty son of a bitch. Uh, He said his son's shoulder is jacked up. His neck hurts. That made me very happy indeed. (laughs) Uh, But Goldberg said his objective's changed. He said, look, I'm... I'm not coming for the WWE Championship. I'm coming for Lashley's soul, and I'm going to rip it out of his chest. So not to tread on the toes of our Saudi Arabia show preview, but he's definitely beating Lashley because it's non-title now, right? That was the messaging I received loudly and clearly. <clears throat> um, brilliant. Brilliant stuff. He follows John Cena. At least John Cena was in a title match. But he's the second of two part-time returning stars who've just said, I don't really care about the title that much. The implication to me is... Because I think about these things is, ah, oh, they know the titles don't mean anything. They just want a main event and a payday. <laughs> like, just pretend. Yeah. Just pretend. Just do some kind of storyline mechanism. Right? You, you want Goldberg on the Saudi show because, you know, the regime have demanded that he is on there. The regime have dictated that Goldberg is on the show. Give me either Ulmer Warrior, Yokozuna, or Goldberg. It's not difficult. Oh, right. Well, uh, Goldberg it is. <laughs> <laughs> So at least do some kind of explanation where MVP goes, well, you know, we'll allow you to get your revenge. I don't think you can because look at your knee, but you can't get for the title no. because we've already beat you. And he's like, fine, I just want to get vengeance for my son. At least put into mind the idea that the title means something. Sell it. Wrestling's all about selling. I might believe in the prestige of the title if John Cena was like, yeah, yeah, I want the title. It's the reason why we're all here. Hmm. Goldberg sucks. <laughs> Goldberg should not be on the show. He's a danger. No. He's reckless. Reckless, boy. <laughs> Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. 
Before we go any further, though, this podcast is brought to you by Rocket Money. Do you ever feel like money is just flying out of your account and you've got no idea where it's going? Well, it's all those subscriptions. I mean, think about it. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it is endless. I'm guilty of this, so I used Rocket Money to help me find out what subscriptions I'm actually spending money on, and it was more shocking than a wrestling betrayal. You see, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in cancelled subscriptions. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. That's rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Right, let's return to the action on Monday Night Raw because, oh, well, actually, before we do that, let's go to the park with Reginald again. Uh, he's walking around. He's telling some other bollock story about, I don't know, how parks made him in the man he is today. I don't know. I wasn't paying any attention. There was the curators are in a dog costume that made me very happy indeed. Uh, the trickery didn't work. Again, R-Truth, Akira Tozawa chasing Reginald around. He's flipping off everything in the park. The, the only good bit was when R-Truth said, why are you flipping over a gate? It's got it's got a handle or something like that. Uh, he escaped and uh, Akira Tozawa basically said, told you this wouldn't work. This was hilarious. In opposite line. Just film things in a park if you must. It's a nice break away from the monotony that is... Raw in front of a live crowd, which should feel like a novelty, but already feels like a monotony. You can go to a park without making Reggie want to have sex with parks. <laughs> you can go and film stuff in a park without making a park the absolute cornerstone of Reggie's life. You can go to a park and film things in a park without making it feel like parks are... The backbone of his identity. Just go to the... Oh, I fancied some ice cream, so I'm going to go to the park. Right, let's just film some skits around that. Um, why do you want to go to the park? Because, you know, parks shaped me. Just go to the park. <laughs> don't make... Don't go to the park purely so that Reginald, Reggie, can say things that no human being would ever say. Rank number four all-time 24-7 champions now. He's rapidly catching up on Gronk. So, there's that. He just passed Riddick Moss. Remember him? Yeah. Is he still there? Um, uh, we last saw him. He was on Raw Underground, according to Wikipedia. And he beat Cal Bloom by KO. And that's it. People should let that play out. Right, let's talk about Evil Marvel's Drop. Uh, that came next. <laughs> it's getting more ridiculous. Uh, Do Drop, big babyface, of course, in this story. Yes. They did a big thing about, like, look how horrible Eva Marie has been to her. She's given this ridiculous name. She's treated her terribly. But finally, Do Drop, she got her revenge. You know, she sort of went out, piss off, and something about Lily and Alexa Bliss. Uh, I don't know. So she jumped Eva Marie before the bell. That was the match. <laughs> Beat her up, smashed her around the ring, laid her down. Counted her own pinfall, insisted the referee lift her hand up, uh, and the referee went, she's not cleared to compete anymore. 
and Dewdrop grabbed a mic and announced herself as winner. What? Vince McMahon is a horrible old bastard. That's why you get segments like this, why you get results like this, why you get baby faces like this. That's what I really liked about the you know Rocky Three. Like you know, Clubber Lang comes in and he's got his eyes off the prize, and Clubber Lang beats him, kills his trainer, and then he comes back, and then just before the big fight, uh, he stabs Clubber Lang, and then uh, goes in and knocks him out because he's loaded his glove with uh, with concrete or something. That's a real that's a real hero we can all root for. Wait, I'm not being histrionic or hyperbolic when I say this. There, there can be no baby faces in WWE when they have this value system. It's not as if anyone's going to get over is a babyface when the babyfaces are this unlikable, when they're this entitled. It's not a fair fight, man. It's ridiculous. You could have beaten her. You didn't need to jump her from behind. But yeah, <laughs> get her. Be an arsehole. And you know what? I'm going to disagree with you. I don't think you're right. I think that WWE can book babyfaces right. And let's not forget, John Morrison's just turned babyface, so got fingers crossed for him later on in the show. Yes. So. I think there's going to be some egg on your face later, Sige. Oh, my God. I mean, it's just a horrible company with a horrible value system that can't possibly book baby faces. No. So enjoy next week and the week after and the week after that. Is John Morrison world title contender? No, he, he got beaten into... Anyway, well, well no, no spoilers. Um, uh, Karen Cross came out, and in the words of Chelsea, and you could hear a rat piss on cotton. No one gave a toss for this man he battered Umberto Carrillo for about four minutes. Yes, Carrillo got some offense in, but he brought it back. Frick a frick a fresh submission from Carrion <laughs> Cross. He hit him with a cytosuplex and then put him in the cross jacket. Oh my God, no one cares about this guy. And I'm not being funny. He gave them no reason to whatsoever. Carrion Cross is actively a terrible professional wrestler. That was obscured because in NXT, they cared about him. They tried to give him the presentation, an aesthetic that didn't make him look like an 80s reject. They gave him opponents like Tommaso Ciampa, four of the best wrestlers in the world, <laughs> Finn Balor, um, Johnny Gargano, who Keith had Lee. to put in... Well, the Keith Lee match sucked. Oh, yeah. They give him mostly... I'm not saying Keith Lee isn't a great wrestler, but he's not... He can't carry people. And it was the wrong sort of match as well. Exactly. They give him a whole host of opponents through which he steamrolled, all of whom can, or the vast majority of whom could really, really go. And I'm not saying Carrillo's bad, but he's not on their level. They didn't have time to really try and cast the spell. Carrion Cross left to his own devices is actively so rubbish. He can't move right. No. He doesn't explode into these moves that are meant to create the sense of doesn't even look that big in a WWE ring. Now you think about like Umaga ragdolling people yeah. back in the day, for example. There's no sense of peril orchestrated. He doesn't look smooth in a way where it's like relentless, like Christ. If he comes at you, you're knackered. Like there's no escaping him. There's no escaping him. He's relentless. He can get from one end of the ring to the other. He's so powerful that even if he's slow, everything he does looks so hard hitting that he might take a while to get to you, but you're screwed anyway because you're selling like... He moves weird, and I can't, like, so dynamism to what he does whatsoever. Mm. There's no magnetism, there's no aura, there's no sense of fear. He moves weird, and that's, like, my take. I just watch him move, and I'm thinking, you move weird. At least his gear stay together this week, I suppose. Aye. Wardrobe have done a better job than he's done in the ring tonight. <laughs> he just moves weird. 
Uh, Nia Jax was backstage, said she's going to crush anyone that comes in her way <laughs> and shove Charlotte's imaginary crown up her royal behind. More on that later. Uh, we got a uh, little very colourful video package promoting NXT. I just want to see your face as I said that. We, if you, if you, you're gonna to have to pay if you want to hear that one. I didn't have to pay, but you have to listen to the NXT. You TV. have to pay. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you have to pay. You have to talk about NXT for twenty minutes. We'll be talking about the new colourful NXT. Fun, fun, fun on Tuesday nights on the NXT preview a little bit later on. Uh, and then we got Riddle and Orton backstage. Uh, Riddle was telling Randy uh, all about updating his resume or something. He said uh, in a good back and forth between these two. This flashes here unquestionably with, with this team. He uh, talks about going to high school and graduating. <laughs> Randy was like, you sure about that? Brilliant. Um, he uh, he told him what to do. Uh, no, sorry. Orton said, do what you're good at. And I'll do the same and we'll bat these knobheads and retain the tag titles. And Riddle just started talking about the stuff that he's good at on his resume, like going fast, going slow, eating stuff. And Orton just got bored and walked off. I like these sort of little silly bits. All they serve to do is allow people to further connect with the Riddle character. And my God, I said all along, people need to goddamn listen to me. He was unhoppable on this main roster. He tried himself to do it. The Vince McMahon tried to do it with an absolutely horrendous introduction. And I'm telling you, he's got so many qualities as a performer, mm -hmm. caveat, that it was impossible to mess him up. And to robustly test this theory, they tried. And he's simply too skilled at what WWE likes mm. to fail. And this is the further continuation of that. From too skilled to Nia Jax versus <laughs> Charlotte Flair. Jesus Christ. Oh, right. I, I'm not going to talk about what happened in the preceding 10 minutes of this match because I'm going to talk about the stuff that we all have seen trending all over Twitter this morning, basically. I think it started off with a sort of botched, not badly, just sort of weird release for a spine buster from Nia Jax. Then she went for a backdrop. That looked worse. I'm not sure if this is the point or... In and around all here. You know when they do like, oh, Charlotte Flair getting outside the ring to collect herself? And it just struck me. It, it might have been before this, but it struck me that she's there like, you need to calm down. Like, that moment that you have of just like, you know, like Jericho yelling at McMahon back in the day. And he's like, can you just pump the brakes a little bit? Take a second. Remember what we're doing here. So later on, Charlotte uh, goes for a moonsault. Nijax gets her knees up. That's all part of it. Uh, Jax hits the Samoan drop, misses a leg drop, and then I think that's the point where it all just fell to pieces. There's the bit that you'll have seen on Twitter where they just walk up to each other. You know, normally there's a it's fast and slow and back and forth, and you know, so and so is on top and reversals, and they just walked up to each other, just looked at each other, and then just was just like slaps. If one of them slaps them, the other one backhands the other one, basically. And then Flair comes off the ropes, sort of, I think, Nia Jax was meant to Samoan drop her or attempt to Samoan yeah. drop her. Regardless, Charlotte Flair just jumped on her shoulders at that point. And then, like, it looked like a reverse guillotine she was going for. They turned it into some sort of inverted DDT thing. Flair's then sort of in control. She shoves the back of Nia Jax's head after sort of going for her knees, working over her legs sort of thing. Wiggles her ass in her face, goes for a finisher. Jax shoves her off and then hits that choke bomb of hers. 
Pinter. Pins the world champion. It was, I mean, it almost was devolved, devolved into like a shoot fight, this, didn't it? The most succinct way I can put this across for those who have and have not seen it is that after a few errant blows and a few just danger-inviting, reckless, amateur just unsafe professional wrestling on the part of Nia Jax. It's, it's, it's the one of those, like, you should by now know your own strength in terms of, like, I'm, I'm always reminded, because the, the right hand she gave to, you know, the punch she gave to Becky, right, that's one thing. That's maybe just a misjudgment. I don't, it still annoys me when I look back because she's just staring. Just she can't work. She's staring straight at her. But the one I always think of is when she th- threw Kyrie Sane into the steps, and it's like, you're guiding them. You're just guiding them. Yeah. They're taking it. And she throws her, and you can see Kyrie Sane's legs can't catch up with her fast enough. So that's why she goes yeah. head first. And it was the same there of just like, you're doing a backdrop or you're doing a spine buster or whatever. We all know how that should look and, you know, how you're meant to just sort of go with it. And it was like, just, nah, you're, as, long as, as long as I've hit the move, I'm all right, Jack, sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, the most succinct way I can think of putting this across is that after a series of... um flubbed moves that were painful, dangerous, and then it got a little bit disrespectful, and then it all completely fell apart and broke down entirely. From that moment on, when, as you said, Charlotte Flair was um, running the ropes and then realized, oh, she's not cooperating, and then there was these struggling transitions and these straight-up slaps to the face, and they they kind of struggled to the mat in, like, the worst, almost a Russian leg sweep. Mm. But it looked like... Charlotte Flair took the worst, and then she made the pin. It fell apart entirely. They were stuck in this wavelength where it was simply, succinctly, I don't want to work with you, but I don't want to completely shoot on you either because we know that would be the worst thing. But as much as I want to shoot on you, and I know I can't, like, fuck, am I working with you either? So you got three minutes of this bizarre scene that played out, knowing that, they didn't want to do one thing. They didn't want to do the thing that they wanted to do. And because they wanted to do that, they couldn't allow themselves to do the professional thing that they had to do in yeah. the first place. And it was this really weird scene. They should have just got the referee and said, get them to take it home right now. I'm glad they didn't because this was hilarious. <laughs> um, but my God, Nia Jax does not know how to work. No. How many times have we seen over the years Nia Jax recklessly put her opponent in harm's way and Charlotte Flair was naturally aggrieved and when it's one thing to say right okay in the moment she should have taken it home or whatever she's the champion she's got to realize like in that moment I can't just send it home like it's bad enough I'm getting pinned but she's I've not in there with a rookie like this is very different let's just explain as well if you haven't seen it this is very different to the the sort of shoot style of fight that they had with Charlotte and Rhea Ripley at the pay-per-view where they were just like, we're going to work incredibly safe, but we're going to look like, and we are, kicking the crap out of each other. It was just a really confusing... As I said, they didn't want to work with each other, but they knew they weren't allowed to properly shoot on each other, else they would get really worse repercussions than what they presumably had um, in the aftermath of this. It's worth going out of your way to see if you're not on Twitter and if you just read these reviews to, to catch up, like, it'll be on YouTube or whatever. Mm. It's a fascinating watch. But as I said, they didn't want to work. They knew they couldn't shoot. So it was this weird 
in between. Uh, Nia Jax is irredeemable as a performer at this point. We had enough watching it like two or three years ago. They've done so well, or they've been rather so lucky to have avoided Nia Jax legitimately seriously injuring someone and it needs to stop. Look, I get it. Alexa Bliss isn't there. She hasn't been there since SummerSlam, if I'm right. Well, she was on Raw the other week. Oh, right. Well, yeah, she's... she's like yeah, she of course, might... yeah, she came out to confront her. I'm thinking she's not popped up for a while. She... But she's not there yeah. for whatever reason. Same with the Miz. We're not going to speculate on that sort of thing. You work with what you've got. I get that. Well, when you've got is a in Raw roster that's that big, you couldn't put anyone else out there and give them a shock. You know, like, if you're saying Alexa's going to be out for two weeks, let's say, for whatever reason, or she can, she can only come back close to the pay-per-view, why don't you just have a mini thing where someone comes in Naomi, she popped up on SmackDown, but they didn't do bugger all with her, and maybe she's not there, but someone akin to that, for example, she comes in, she get a shock win over Charlotte Flair, then you can book a title match for next week. Charlotte Flair wins, jobs are good and sort it's of no thing. It's no worse than the kind of stuff you'd usually do with the 50-50. Yeah. People might be a little bit more accepting of it. It starts with, all right, oh, we need to beat the champion. You didn't need to beat the champion at all. No. Like Charlotte Flair could have simply have won a match and said something along the lines of Alexa Bliss... Like, you have a doll to help you win. All I need is my brilliance or whatever. My title. Just something, anything other than this. <laughs> something, anything, please, God. Uh, right, John Morrison's backstage uh, making chicken salad uh, because the Miz isn't there. Uh, he said... Did he make chicken salad later on? Jesus Christ. Yeah, he, uh, he said, look, he's he's gone back to Hollywood with some bollocks, but he said, I still want to prove myself to be the bigger man, and I still do, so I ask for a match against the largest human I know. The camera pulls back to reveal, Big George! Omos is there, and uh, Omos says, sucks to be you. And Morrison looks down the camera, almost looks into our souls and goes, yeah, I guess it does. Then he got beaten by almost in two minutes. He got a way to relaunch this guy's a baby face. He goes at almost with his stupid dripstick. He slaps the dripstick out of his hands. He batters him. He tries to do some parkour to get away from him. Almost just clotheslines him. Tree slams him. One, two, three. It's crazy. This I, I'll admit, I kind of sensed halfway through the show. Uh, nothing momentous is going to happen here. I'm not going to get spoiled. I was going to dive onto Twitter. I've got this thing with Twitter where it's like, and then BBC, I just have to check that the world hasn't completely been set alight. Yes. Because it could, for various reasons, overnight, sort of calm my anxiety, I like to check the news, I like to check on Twitter. Right, okay. And when I went on Twitter, halfway through, I saw, I can't remember who, tweet, Jesus Christ, this match has fallen apart like nothing I've seen in years. And I thought, oh, come on, I'm going to watch Raw now. <laughs> And then I watched Nia Jax and Charlotte. I thought, all right, okay, that's what they were talking about. And I watched this, and I'm thinking, oh, there could have been about either match. <laughs> yeah. There were two matches on the show that were two of the worst, like, objectively worst matches you're likely to see on a nationally televised promotion ever. Two of them happened on Monday Night Raw <laughs> last night. Omos is... Uh, unqualified to do the very limited things he gets asked to do. He never works that long. He is in tag matches where AJ does the work for this exact reason. My goodness, there were moments in this match where it was like he didn't even know where to stand. All you have to do is stand there 
and lightly sell a glancing blow, like a kick or whatever. He did not know where to put himself. There was bits where Morrison, it might have been Morrison springboarding off the ropes or something, and he comes back and he just, you know, John Morrison's, you know, such an experienced professional that he he just goes, right, I'm going to run around all this flippy bollocks be there when I come off here. And you there was sense the bits where you sense where he comes off, turns around and goes, Right, he's about three feet further away than I'm where I need him to be. I have to do an extra glaring step that makes everything look so fake and cooperative and a disaster a total disaster. Like back to back disasters on this show. Um great performance center you've built there, Paul. What an absolutely fantastic performance center you've built there. The future of WWE is this. <laughs> hey, I wouldn't complain. We're getting Bull Buchanan's son, B-Cubed. It's, come, it's just been signed, so it's not all bad news. Anyway, AJ Styles versus Xavier Woods. Skip. Now, we should explain this, Skip, because... Skip means skip. I realise that, but very quickly, this was a good match. He submitted Xavier Woods to the calf crusher. These two work well together, but... After At this point, you were just like, oh, just get to the finish, basically. How could I possibly, given the rubbish storytelling, the terrible action, how could I possibly receive a well-worked match and think, oh, this is great. <laughs> I'm just pissed off and in a mood. Right, well, enough of all that. It's now time for this. It's short. It's crap. It's wrestling-related. The five-star review review. Nailed it! And this week's five-star review review is brought to you by Patrick O'Malley. Paddy O'Malley! <laughs> apologize for that, Patrick. That was just a muscle impulse there. Uh, if you want to suggest something short, crap, and wrestling-related for us to review instead of some crap on Monday Night Raw, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling and leave us a five-star review, just like Patrick O'Malley, who says... Uh, hi, and I'd just like to say a massive thank you for the advice you and Andy gave me on the SummerSlam live stream. He's getting into reviewing wrestling. Uh, he said, I'm using what you said to me to start my own wrestling blog because I feel writing about one of the main things I love in life is best for me at this moment in time. Best luck with all, all that, Patrick. Obviously, uh, with what we said on the thing was, if you want to do this, just start doing it. Yeah. Just start talking about it or writing about it or whatever, and your passion will shine through even if you're not as experienced as other people because you have to start somewhere. Yes, uh- will give you the exact same advice. And the reason why they do is because they know. Write, write, write. Write in your spare time. Write constantly. Write, write, write. Never stop writing. You will be amazed if you put into practice this advice. And you have to put the work in, I'm sorry. You will be amazed at how much better you'll get. Provided you've got talent in the first place. You might have no talent. <laughs> yes. in, which, in which case, you're not going to improve. I read some of the stuff I wrote for the site even two or three years ago. And this is another thing about being a writer. You will hate everything yeah. that you used to do and you'll end up, in turn, hating yourself. <laughs> Not very helpful. You'll be amazed at how much the actual process of simply writing, which I know sounds daunting, but tough you have to do it, you'll be amazed at how much the practice will sharpen your skills mm. simply by doing it. Yeah, same same applies to, to podcasting and what have you. Everyone hates the sound of their own voice. Except me, obviously. Um, but yeah, just just do it, and it will. As long as it's something you're interested in and passionate about, that will shine through far more than experience necessarily. And if all else fails, just do some funny accents. Uh, anyway, Patrick says for my five star review review, can you please, can you and the Dadleys review the time when Chavo Guerrero took on Ricky the Hitman Hatton from Monday Night Raw in November two thousand and nine? 
Uh, have a great day, legends, and thank you for the content every day. I listen to you and the dad leaves whilst I'm cooking my tea or whilst on a long country walk from Patrick O'Malley. Thank you so much for this, Patrick. Take us back to November 2009, where there was a Jedward sign in the crowd I saw for this one. as a sign of the times. And uh, more bloody guest hosts, basically. Yeah, I know why Hamflet took this specific week off as well. <laughs> he hates Chavo Guerrero. Does he? With a passion. Oh, Hamflet's his favourite wrestler. Just can't stand how bland he is. <laughs> should have heard. Well, you should hear him on the AEW reviews. Yeah. Why, why Chavo here? Oh, he is. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't like him at all on that. Yeah, Chavo. Um, here's the backstory. They decided to get a local celeb involved in WWE in the guest host era. They were in Manchester, so they thought, let's get Ricky Hatton. They weren't in Manchester. What? <laughs> they were in Sheffield. Oh, hell. Yeah, you kidding? No. We're here in Sheffield, so here's... Uh, it's close enough, isn't it? Manchester's Ricky Hatton! Unbelievable. I assume the exact same thing, and then watch the uh, the opening of this show, and they say, we're here in Sheffield, and then they did some, i got to say, really funny stuff with D-Generation X. You know, the new version, where it's like, he doesn't really touch his gack anymore, and he got some glow sticks, uh, and uh, we'll talk about men like cack. <laughs> uh, and that's it, basically. Him and Jerry show, and... Ricky Hatton was there, and then later on, they're backstage. We only watched the uh, the WWE version of this clip. So I read into this. Apparently, Santino had walked in. I'm annoyed because I didn't get to, do, get to write what he said. But long story short, he's walked in and gone, Ricky Hatton, I want to fight with you tonight. But he's come in dressed as Ricky Fatton because he's on a bit of weight, basically, right? The only bit we see... Ricky Hatton. <laughs> yeah, the only thing we see, though... Is Charvo presumably trying to say, I can see through this costume, which is just a fat costume with a Ricky hat and robe around it, trying to claim that he knows that that's Santino under there. No, nothing changed on his face. He's just got a fat suit on. And Charvo's going, Santino. And Santino's going, Ricky Vaton. And he's going, no, it's Santino. Ricky Vaton. Uh, <laughs> to which Ricky hat and Oscar-worthy performance goes, whoa, 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 guys. Uh... You know, calm down, should... lads. Calm down, yeah. lads. Calm down, lads. Calm down, lads. You know what we should really? It's just, I've gone into Pete Dunne. You know what we should really do here? You know what we should really do here? We should do the boxer against the wrestler. Charvo versus Ricky tonight, and Charvo's like, "Get in! I get to smash Santino's head in." And uh, Hatton goes, "Not this, Ricky." Points at Ricky Vaton. This Ricky. Not that Ricky, whose name's Santino. <laughs> this Ricky. But you did that with far more enthusiasm. He went, not that Ricky. This Ricky. This bloody Ricky. And then to be fair, in Sheffield, he gets a good bap. This bloody Ricky. Calm down, lads. Uh, not this Ricky. You know the actual Ricky. Because <laughs> that one's uh, that one's Italian. He's called Santino. And Santino goes, he's got the punch in your face. Uh, and Jaro storms off. And then later on, we get a... Three-minute thriller uh, with Santino... Oh, no, sorry, Santino, if only. With Chavo Guerrero versus Ricky Hatton. Uh, the rules are Chavo wins by pinfall or submission. <laughs> Hatton wins by knockout, okay? Hatton goes to touch gloves, and Chavo Guerrero slaps Ricky Hatton. But it's Ricky Hatton, who you're still sh not sure... Now, you know you don't actually have to carry on with here. So the slap is, like, the lightest, like... Like, he probably slapped his leg at the same time, yeah. despite that you don't need to do the that. The Gargano special. 100%, yeah. So, um, <laughs> they're trying to put this over on commentary. 
Charvo's just running away, basically. He's ducking out the ropes. He's literally diving out the ring. And King's like, good work uh, getting away from Hatton's punching power. But, yeah, that's meant to be sort of like weaving and stuff, like dancing around like Muhammad Ali, not just, he can just get out of the ring. That's a clever strategy here. So uh, Michael Cole, by the way, I don't think I've ever heard him sound this bored. No, he looks excited. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, Ricky Hearn, yeah, some asshole from Manchester England. City <laughs> Football Club. That's it. They have to try and put over Blue Moon because he's like, that's why you're hearing this weird song right now. Who's this fat bomb? <laughs> so Hatton at one point hits him with the lightest body shots I've ever seen. Uh, the crowd are loving it, though, to be fair. They're doing the one Ricky Hatton. There's only one Ricky Hatton song. He's a big star. Yeah. Charvo tackles him to the floor for five seconds, lets him up, celebrates like he's won the match, basically. And then finally, the finish. I know you're thinking, this match has just started. Now, the finish is Charvo kicks him in the gut, goes behind him, tries to suplex him. And in a quite a nice sequence, Hatton... Pops out of it, turns around and just twats him with his right hand. KO, I've written here, what a load of pointless bollocks this was. The highlight of which was a Hatton for PM sign. <laughs> Maybe not. But then again, right now, yeah, 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 give him a go. We could either have someone who's got, um, like, genuinely a battered brain, or you could have Rick Hatton. <laughs> Right, let's go to the comment section. Once again, these do not reflect the views of myself, the Daddy Boys, or anyone at What Culture S thing. Lee Grantham. So they introduced them as like, Chavo Guerrero for £205 or whatever he was. Uh, and, and then they said, Ricky Hatton, weighing slightly over £140. <laughs> Biggest pop of the night for me, that. And I've been for I don't want to fat shame Ricky Hatton. My favorite, One of my favorite things about Ricky Hatton, and not many, I'm not a big boxing guy, I love how he's like, right? Don't have a fight for a while. <laughs> yeah, he'd get huge. And then, to be fair, he'd slim down. He'd fight, you know, Manny Pacquiao and people like that. And yeah. obviously Floyd Mayweather. He'd be, that's the size he is. He just loved going, right, okay. Well, I'm not fighting for a while. <laughs> let's, go, let's come to chips. <laughs> right. So Lee I Grant- would do the same thing. I'd do that without the fighting. Yeah, yeah. Lee Grantham writes, slightly over 140 pounds. More like he ate 140 pounds of cheese. Just so a little hanging fruit. Yeah. The likes of which Ricky Hatton didn't need. Uh, I love this. You know when people go, people get like really carried away. I think this was on a boxing forum. I read this one because there's no comments. Comments disabled for the 19,000 views this has got on WWE's 81 million subscribers channel. Didn't make it in Vegas, baby. (laughs) Hyde writes, Ricky Hatton should start wrestling full time. I think he could beat the likes of Rey Mysterio, Big Show, etc. Or at least put up a close fight. Ricky destroyed Charmo Guerrero in his first ever fight in wrestling. Imagine what he could do with some serious training and a few more fights for experience. I'm going to go as far as saying that Ricky Hatton can become heavyweight champion of the world. That's wholesome stuff, man. Someone thinks it's real. That's nice. I mean, I hope they're like seven years old and they shouldn't be on YouTube. And there's one place where I don't want my son to go on on the internet. It's YouTube. Yeah. 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 Knock yourself out. 4chan, Reddit, it'll be fine. <laughs> YouTube. Nah, son. I'm sorry. That's going to have to be disabled. It's just, I can't, can't work. Uh, Soto writes, Ricky Fatter. <laughs> That's where he got it. And then, and then writes, no, seriously, though, he's probably a nice guy to drink with. <laughs> I love that. Seriously. Like, literally just in case Ricky Hatton has got the brain power to like go on someone's like YouTube avatar and think, right, okay, I'll trace that to him, right? I'll go around to his house and knock him out. 
I <laughs> know. <laughs> oh, I said you. You probably not got to have a drink with it. To be fair, Aldo Steele writes: Floyd Mayweather knocks out Big Show. Mike Tyson knocks out Chris Jericho. Ricky Hahn knocks out Chavo Guerrero. Boxing is better than wrestling. I mean, in WWE Canada, it is. Yeah. Uh, and then to finish up, do something a little bit different here. I found a back and forth exchange that I thought we could read together, Sige. Uh, it's between Clyde Thomas and Jason Cage. Don't worry about effing and jeffing. I'll bleep all this out because it's worth it for this exchange. Who would you like to be? Would you like to be Clyde Thomas or Jason Cage? Jason Cage. Okay. Just because of the name. Okay. <clears throat> so Clyde Thomas writes... Fake wrestlers can't do any sh except get KO'd. Wrestling is just entertainment, and a wrestler has no pro fighting skills. Yeah, you're dumb. <laughs> well, then what lesser form does that make you? Well, I'm not lesser form. I don't know why you're asking dumb questions. Also, first of all, what a great back and forth. Uh, what does that make you? Oh, I'm just, I'm not doesn't make me that, so, zing. One point to me. Uh, and then some other bloke is involved. Don't care about him. Uh, nah, I'm not that, but it's clear you're a guy with no life and you get off talking shh online because you're probably just a scared little man in life who has no real friends. So yeah, kid, go to sleep and, go to sleep and wait 364 days to see if Santa comes to your trailer park. What if it's like March? I don't know. Are they doing this on Christmas Eve? <laughs> I really hope so. I love this. This is a great zinger from uh, from Clyde Clyde Thomas. I don't know if that was Jason Cage. I've re read your thing. I do apologize. It's fine. There. We'll just switch roles. We'll switch okay. roles. Okay. You be Clyde Thomas. Did you just sum up your worthless life to me? <laughs> oh, I'm flattered. Nobody ever opened to me like that on public, man. I'm sorry to disappoint you, but I'm the opposite of what you described me, lol. Great effort, though. <laughs> also, I'd like to point out. That I know comment, you are, but what am I? That comment. First one was six years ago. This is five years ago, so it's rolled on a year. <laughs> it must be Christmas Eve, which yeah. makes it all the better. Yeah, Jason Cage comebacks. Huh. Must have like left it a bit and then gone. Uh, I'll just sneak in another comment. Glad to see you're still being a keyboard warrior. Mm. Now I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I keep it steady. I've got professional. No, <laughs> I will get it this time. Now nah, I'm just sending replies to a bitch <laughs> who's really trying hard to grab attention from the net. Just to point out, how many likes have these got? They haven't even liked their own comments. <laughs> Not grabbing attention from any net, okay? To which uh, Jason Cage zings back, grab attention from the net. It's funny you say that when you're the one trying so hard in a cyber argument. So calm down, stop crying, and go do something with your life. Oh, actually, you get some good stuff now. This is when Clyde Thomas starts bringing out the big guns. You talk trash to someone, then expect them not to talk back. You must be a special kind of stupid. I was posting my very own opinion in a fucking fucking comments and insult that he never even thought about before typing. Hang on, wait a second. He's pulling out the big gun here. FYI, I run a business with workers with degrees. And I love it, dude. And he's thought, hang on, I need to reply to that again. So he's, he's come back again, Clyde Thomas. Plus, oh, hang on. Plus, I'm a part-time web developer, so I do half of my time on the net. Be grateful I make time to do chit-chats with your lousy f***ing ass. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize with the bad language. <laughs> I love that. You've typed it, so just... Kudos. Kudos. 
I only talk so-called trash because I felt like what you said was dumb. And if you run a business, why are you wasting your time on someone you don't even know? I don't know if it's you or you just don't know how to ask polite questions. If you were thinking you would consider my comment possible, don't call people dumb just because you don't understand what they say or your ego says no. Read the other guy's comment. Man, does he make sense. As I said, oh, hang on. I'm a part-time web developer, so I'm always connected to the net. And I have my wife to help me run the business, so no pressure. I think I made my point here, man. It's your choice to consider them or not. Again, sorry for the air past insults, <laughs> Mosultov. And Jason Cage concludes... No, I understand how to ask polite questions. Everyone just has bad days, so it could be the latest thing that could set people off. I was thinking I was having a bad day, because I never will usually argue with the internet, but sorry for my insults towards you. Hey! Oh, Best friends, the wedding's in three weeks. Oh, my God, so nice. That's such an odd human interaction. I'm telling you, the worst possible thing imaginable is people on the internet saying that other people on the internet are a loser. Mm. You're on the internet as well. <laughs> You're in the, in the sub-comments to someone else's comment, having an argument going, stop trying to grab clout from the internet. No one's reading this, lads, except me. You're a loser on the internet. You're, on the, you're, you're not seeing this. We're not in the same room. You're seeing this on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, go outside. <laughs> this is like when I... I could be the smartphones. There was a, there was a, there was a period uh, at one point where I'm very luckily managed to make it onto the front page of Reddit for a, there was a face swap. You remember face swaps it was, was a thing? Goldfish. It was the Nemo and my face gold. No one's going, I'm not sliding up to a girl in a bar going, I'm not sure if you uh, recognise, but uh, front page of Reddit right here. Just ridiculous. But thank you. I loved, I just love the fact that they were Thank like, you, Paddy. I love the fact that they were just like, you, 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 you. No, I'm sorry for swearing. I do apologize. No, no, I'm, it's my fault. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And it's just that I've never seen an internet argument end with, no, I was probably having a bad day. I do apologize. Muzzle top. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Be I, nice like, I like that a lot. It's, it's okay to admit hey, you're having a bad day on the internet. There's better LTST in that goddamn insane thread than there was on this television show. But yes, thanks once again to Paddy O'Malley, for, Patrick O'Malley, for suggesting that. If you want to suggest a five-star review, review something short, crap, and wrestling rated for us to review instead of something on Raw, uh, then do that by subscribing to What Called Dressing and is a five-star review. We've got to the main event. Oh, the main event of Monday Night Raw. AJ Styles stuck around uh, after uh, he'd beaten Xavier Woods and almost murdered John Morris, and they were going to do com well. AJ was going to do commentary for the Tag Champs versus Bobby Lashley and MV. Um, back and forth early on, of course. Then Orton sets up at one point for the RKO, but decides instead to hit Lashley with a draping DDT. Uh, and MVP gets it all, kicks Orton, sends him into the post. Lashley gets involved, works over Orton. Uh, Riddle tags himself in, glancing Pele kick, ripcord knee strike, floating bro, but MVP comes in. Nice sort of breaking up of the cover here. He just stomped on Riddle's foot because he's barefoot, of course. Uh, so Lashley goes after Orton on the outside, but Orton reverses, shoves him into the post. Omos gets involved, but Riddle comes in and drop kicks Omos. Styles tries to get involved, and Orton drops him onto the announce table. And then the finish sees Riddle 
hit the floating bro on MVP for the one, two, three. Huge crowd reaction. Riddle celebrates, turns around, straight into a spear by Bobby Lashley. He goes to attack him some more, but then Orton, out of nowhere, with an RKO, and Orton and Riddle stand tall as the show goes off the air. Entertaining little match to finish the show off. Yes, it was so odd to do. Yeah, we no one thought the tag titles were changing hands. I think they just wanted their biggest draws all in one match, and it didn't really matter how they arrived at that. They had someone in MVP who could eat a pin. Got no thoughts on the match. It was probably possible at this point. I was barely paying attention. I was just, just I was in a state of bewilderment at the thing that I just watched. To the end of a three-hour show, it wasn't a match that I had any emotional stakes in, and my only prevailing opinion was, God damn it, MVP getting asked to bump and feed. It was a bit demanding for him at this stage in his career. End of show. <laughs> Thank goodness. Let us know your thoughts on Monday Night Raw on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Well, actually, you can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at... Oh, what a ride. M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE, as I said. And make sure you subscribe to what Culture Wrestling. You're getting your money's worth today for daily wrestling podcasts. Do like Patrick O'Malley did and suggest a five-star review. Five-star and us on iTunes to do that. But today, we've done the Raw review. We've now got SmackDown Rampage to review as well. And we're going to be previewing NXT on a specific time limit. Let's be yeah, honest. I've said 20 minutes and I'm out. <laughs> That's all coming away later on this afternoon. But now that this has been the Raw review, my thanks to Michael Sidgwick. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents... The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend (laughs) that I don't right now. Hold it in, hold on. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. Oof. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com.